0: I uh, hope you're comfortable, and that's a silly thing to say at the end of a session. (laughs) Um, I often find the last day or so of a session, things let go a little bit. I'm actually more comfortable than I was on about days three and four. Um, And it's very important to be still throughout the session and in a talk as well. But if you find yourself distractedly uncomfortable, please do something to make yourself more comfortable. I'd like to start by being still and listening for a moment. This wasn't the way I wanted to start the talk, but I was so taken by the sounds coming from outside that I wanted us to appreciate them, but also to notice, here's a question. What is it? What do we call that? And we don't have a good name. We could say, oh, that's some crickets and some frogs and maybe a little train sound and waterfall. But that doesn't begin to match what it is that we hear in this moment, in this moment, in this moment. Um, I find listening for me, maybe because I was trained as a musician, among other things, particularly helpful. But paying attention with all our senses as fully as we can to each moment seems to me the basis of practice. That is also, I think, the basis of compassion. abha um, the bodhisattva of compassion, hears the cries of the world and responds. Um, so that's sort of my understanding. <laughs> Now, um, I want to say two things in a preliminary way. Uh, First of all, thank you very much, Barry. This doesn't mean a lot to me. Uh, (laughs) it It may very well change my life because I will respond to it. And I do have this odd feeling, which I didn't think I would have, of being entrusted with something. Like some lady came up and said, would you watch my child, who is very precious to me, I'll be back in 2,000 years. <laughs> and then she leaves. Now what? This, what, what do I do? What, how do I respond? Um, and as I think about you know the teaching that has begun to manifest in my life, it has often been not I set out to do something, but there's some need that needs to be met. And I'll describe more about that later. And somehow, it is both about taking care of myself and responding to a need, which may require stopping for a year or two or three and doing something while I do something else. Um, And I think, Barry, you may be pointing me to the fact that if I give some thought to it and get over certain phobias about place and regularity, I may uh, be able to contribute more, or I may not. Um, Having the title teacher already changes things. I told one of my colleagues I was going to be recognized as a Zen teacher and she burst out laughing remembering, I think, various temper tantrums about, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, Other people are trying to help me be a good teacher. One guy, uh, there was this sort of a couple of years ago, a conference I'm a law professor, so this was a conference uh, about law and religion and some of us went out to dinner to honor the people who traveled from far away and I ordered lamb chops and uh, the guy next to me, who is a fundamentalist and believes very, very strongly in the rules, said, you can't eat that. You're a Buddhist. So <laughs> I will get flack no matter what I do. It is also useful. Um, for example, thanks to Barry, I started speaking about once a semester to the Columbia University Buddhist Association. Uh, and I went to their picnic where I met a... Uh, Korean uh, Buddhist, I think she's a priest, uh, or nun actually, living on the Upper East Side, and she gave me her card, and I had no card. I could give her my law professor card, and actually the first time I spoke there, I downloaded some of the Ordinary Minds Zendo webpage, because we don't have a brochure, and took that to serve as some kind of greeting card, or here, if you want to find more, here's where you go. Uh, So having a title may be useful. One of the things I may be doing, I'm actually part of a proposal to teach contemplative practice to lawyers for continuing legal education credit. And uh, uh, it will be helpful if I try to pull that off in New Jersey to say I'm a recognized Zen teacher. Little do they know what kind of scandal ordinary mind Zen is. So... (laughs) although people are persuaded by Joko's books and by Barry's books it's very helpful I keep a stack of them around actually and give them to people if they want to know what I'm doing whether I write books or not I don't know Um, I really haven't given many Dharma talks I've done a fair amount of speaking at this point but it's almost all two talks one is basic um, instruction and meditation with Q&A and the other which has been developed specifically to deal with my colleagues My law students, my um, law professor colleagues, lawyers, since I'm speaking now to a contemplative lawyers, quote, unquote, group in New York City, and I'm actually taking over their programming. Um, uh, The short version of it is uh, show up and slow down (laughs) because professional people are way too busy, way too greedy, way too aggressive to notice this, to notice this. They just don't. And accordingly, while they may achieve or think they achieve a lot, they miss, and they miss not only the, uh, both the suffering and the joy of every moment, but they also miss the opportunities to take care of those they love and to take care of themselves. I've had conversations with one work colleague who is very accomplished and nationally recognized. Um, There was sort of a call for somebody to take on a special project at the school, and she volunteered, and I said, Rachel, why in God's name did you do that? You just told me you've been diagnosed with an ulcer. You have to give up wine and caffeine, including chocolate, for six months. Uh, You've told me that your child has told her teacher she doesn't know who her mommy is, and here you are running around achieving. This is not good. Uh, and I see in the Contemplative Lawyers Group and the retreats I've done that I've participated in which were specifically aimed at legal professionals um, the same kind of disconnect between what people need and what they're able to offer and a certain kind of greed, really, more than anything else. Uh, now, there, I mean, this is not a gravely ill or those suffering war and famine, or so on. So perhaps this is a stupid-ass approach to teaching. But these are the people that I encounter, uh, and therefore the people who seem to be waiting for me to uh, help them. And so that seems to be what I've blundered into. Um, Let me see how I'm doing on time. My good time Uh, flies. So let me uh, say just a little bit more about what I seem to be doing now. Uh, And then maybe I can acknowledge some past teachers and hopefully we'll have time for a little bit of fun at the end, although I'll have to decide in about 12 minutes about that. Um, So, actually, in terms of doing something to point towards Buddhism... What, the first thing that happened was that I was one of the people who organized uh, a gay and lesbian monthly Buddhist group at the Gay and Lesbian Community Center in New York in 1994. That was the result of an unbelievable debacle at Sun Mountain Monastery. I don't know, GQ, if you were there or not when they had this lesbian and gay four-day retreat with... Uh, I'm not sure I should mention the names of the two people they invited because they were both wonderful. Bobby Ro- Bobby Rhodes had little to do with it. She just got this sort of shit end of the reaction of the other guy who was a, a very well-known Tibetan translator and professor, but he was clueless about lesbian feminism. Uh, and he sort of started off on the wrong foot by saying, uh, "Gay men are called sissies, and that comes from the word sister, so therefore we're all sisters. And then the, the real faux pas <laughs> Anne's laughing already <laughs> was, was he tried to adapt a uh, Tibetan tantric practice involving envisioning an erotic act to homosexuality. And while I won't go into detail, when we got into the sperm of the Buddha, five of the lesbian, the feminists got up and left. <laughs> It went downhill from there. Bob and Rose was accused by some act up guy of not being a real lesbian because she wasn't political enough, and it was just what well, she doesn't want. She wanted. I talked to her about it. She said, "Yeah, I live with a woman, but I don't want to be identified as the teacher for lesbians. I want to be a Zen teacher, which I think is a perfectly respectable position." So I said, "Something's got to be done because in in the Zen I was in at the time and throughout, I, I'd sat with Shambala a lot and." Um, In Monte Gunaratna, I studied Pali Canon, uh, the Satipatthana Sutra, and meditation with him, and other things. And there are always these sort of isolated gay and lesbian people who couldn't find each other because you came and you sat and you went home. That wasn't so good. Uh, And on the other hand, there were a lot of gay and lesbian people. I'm leaving out bisexual and queer and transgender because they just weren't words at the time in the early 90s that were used for this stuff. But religion was viewed as the enemy. Uh, in that population, and so there were a lot of people who were looking for something but would never think of meditating or Buddhism. So I and other people in Shambhala and with Sogyal Rinpoche and some Vietnamese Zen woman teacher and eventually Insight Meditation just started having a monthly meeting where we invited teachers and senior students to come and talk. It was under the supervision of uh, Pat Enkyo uh, O'Hara, and of um, Eric Spiegel, who was uh, an openly gay acharya in the Shambhala lineage. Uh, and we did that for 12 years with success, and then gradually it became less important, and the, the, um, uh, there was a group formed called Queer Dharma, which was 30-somethings, and they didn't have, I thought, nearly as good Dharma talks, but they had better parties, and that was sort of the end, <laughs> the end of that group. Um, now, somewhere in there... Um, I was very sick, and I'll talk more about that, but um, one of my colleagues at work found meditation. Uh, Carl had lost his boyfriend, and he found meditation. It was wonderful, and everybody needed to meditate, so he got permission to run a meditation group at my school once a week in the chapel. It's a Catholic school. We have a chapel. We have a very Vatican II chaplain. He bought the Zafus and Zafugans, right? So that's cool. And then Carl finds another boyfriend and suddenly he's not going to run the meditation group anymore. But But I said, you can't do that. You can't sort of hold this out and then take it back like it doesn't mean anything. So I took it over, right? And I was doing this once a week No, the the deal was I could say I was Zen. I talked to Myotai, who wasn't formally my teacher because Dido was formally my teacher. But Myotai was actually the one that knew me. Dido, I saw Dido just before he died, and he smiled at me, or several months before I died when I took leave of him and got permission to study with Barry. And he said, you know, I have 800 students. And I thought, and 750 of them, if they came up and said hello, you wouldn't know who they were. So I was one of those people who really had to be reminded who I was. That's partly because I refused to go into residence, but that's a little bit later in the talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, Mertai said, you can give basic instruction and answer questions from your own experience, but you're not a teacher. Don't teach the Dharma. So it comes to Barry, and I'm, I'll say, I've got to say something about my encounter with Barry, my first month with Ordinary Minds Endo. Well, Barry uh, decides it's time for me to do Jakai. And uh, we're trying to figure out how to do it. Uh, I can't come in from New Jersey every morning. This is the place question again. And open the Zendo. And he said, do all the Saturdays that you can when you're not working, including all of the session. And then run your group at school and run it five days a week. And I said, I can't do five days a week. Why? Because we only have mass three days a week. And if I do (laughs) 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 more, more of the sitting sessions, they'll think I'm uppity and you don't want to do that to the Catholic (laughs) hierarchy. So three days a week for an hour uh, at school and sometimes there's nobody and sometimes there's one or two people and sometimes there's several. Uh, Part of what this um, entrustment is prompting me to do is to do better outreach. I'll have a table at orientation with an ENSO and I am teaching a big class this year and usually when I teach a big class, half a dozen students start coming to meditation. Mostly at this point it's faculty uh, and uh, one or two outsiders, and I'm planning sometime this year, to try and announce that the Wednesday noon session, which I think I can, my schedule changes from semester to semester, but I can keep that regular, will be open to the wider community. And I'd love to see some people from law firms uh, and businesses in downtown Newark, New Jersey, come and sit. I've already got a couple of customers anxiously awaiting it. This is still interfaith because it's the chapel with the 14 stations of the cross here at St. Thomas More, the patron saint of lawyers over here. So how far I can push that in the Zen direction, I'll have to see. Um, I've gone to some retreats uh, for lawyers. The Center for Contemplative Mind and Society has a law project. While there, I met Robert Chender, who is another Shambhala Archarya. He started this monthly meeting at... Uh, the New York City Bar Association for Contemplative Lawyers. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Um, I don't know if the time's all right. Um, and um, invited me to speak, and now he's doing other projects. He finds other ways to teach, so I'm going to start leading that group. And, and that's very much like the gay and lesbian group in some ways, but it's starting to change. And the people come in, and then they don't show up again, and there's between 15 and 30 people in any given month. Uh, But what's starting to happen is a regular basis. Uh, Now, Barry, uh, I think quite correctly, um, is concerned about this being way too secular. And I am too. And I'm also concerned about saying this is for lawyers because sitting practice is for everybody. But um, the deal with the Bar Association is that you can't mention religion and it has to be for lawyers. So the solution I've reached with Chender is I give my talks whatever I call them, and we stick four lawyers at the end of the title. So, <laughs> showing up and slowing down four lawyers, for example. And it actually works quite well because I just talk generally about meditation practice and then we sit and then I say how to go and I hear about sleeplessness and aggression and power struggles and burnout and all the other stuff. They bring the lawyer stuff into the room. Um, Norm Fisher... I almost wanted to say his eminence, Norm Fisher, who was the abbot of the San Francisco Zen Center, has had a project for many years meeting with lawyers on a monthly basis who have a regular practice, and I need to talk to Norm about because I think that's where this is going. Um, Not a Zen though, but I think there are regular practitioners, and I think there may be some kind of contemplation-affiliated support group in there. I have an unfinished article because there are a lot of people teaching meditation to lawyers, believe it or not. It's a course in credit for credit in some law schools, and there are these, uh, I'm not sure I'll get away with that in my place, uh, but again, it's very secular, and it's often very short term, and this troubles me greatly. Uh, the six-minute lawyer, they're, they're perfectly valid meditation exercises from various traditions, but they're completely deracinated. You wouldn't know about Buddhism. You wouldn't know about the kind of wonderful texts that we chant. You wouldn't know that they can open to a deeper reexamination examination of your life. Not, that's all been weeded out. Uh, one of the guys who does this got a, get this, a, um, a grant from the Department of Defense uh, for te- to teach eight week courses in meditation to soldiers which on the one hand is good for them on the other hand, you know, I might teach them to be better killers in the same way that my concern is that teaching meditation to lawyers and making it narrow and secular is teaching them to be better aggressive assholes and I'm really not happy about that so I have to position myself uh, in writing probably and maybe with retreats to do that. Alright Ooh, if we want to have time for music, I have to go through thanks to my teachers really quickly. So my first teacher is Edo Roshi, sort of. Um, <laughs> I found Kashi and Zendo, the local affiliate that wasn't really an affiliate in the phone book. But I did a lot of session with Edo and uh, learned the form and heard a lot. And I met Martha Kent, who, like all the women, for some reason, in Kashi and Zendo stopped going. <laughs> to Daibosatsu. And Martha took up uh, a long distance study with Joko and invited me at one point to go to San Diego and meet Joko, which I did. And that was the one time I met Joko and also had a wonderful and very important to me talk by her student Liz Hamilton about patriarchy in Western Zen. And it really helped me see what I had been seeing and not recognizing uh, in Daibosatsu. Uh, I won't explain who Amalia Frank is very much. She was this little old lady who was a minister in a Unity Center of Christianity church. That's the Daily Word people. I was ambushed, really literally ambushed, into being the president of the church. I had to learn how to give sermons and meditation and run committee meetings and deal with lots of people who thought they knew what spirituality was, and Amalia didn't. Uh, She had a meditation practice, uh, and she also showed enormous equanimity in the face of schism um, the people who thought she was too old to teach she became a minister at 67 we hired her when she was 74 they fired her when she was 81 Uh, and she said her favorite phrase she said the most important sentence in the English language was to hell with it (laughs) and she said that people were like we gotta fight these people she said never mind went down a few blocks found a church she said to the minister patting her eyes little old eyes You have a big building and not very many people would you like to rent us your basement and uh, so the uh, associate minister they kicked her out got the building and she got most of the congregation and the music minister and it was brilliant she taught she continued being a minister till she was 88 may i live so long Uh, i mentioned bonnie and um, miyotai tracy and dido and i won't say much more about them other than the fact that when one person is formally your teacher and the other person is really the person who knows you, it doesn't work very well. I had experience koan study didn't work terribly well for me, but um, I did it for many years. Uh, but I was at this point where only Dido da- was my teacher, and I would go to interview with Miyatai and present a koan, and she sort of grimace and say, "Go see Daido. But since I was a committed lay practitioner and Dido was far away and you only got to see him in the interview either when you were a resident or in these sessions, I was seeing them two, three, four times a year. And that they're really, I had a very, no, it was not, a lot of it was my doing, but the co practice got really constipated because of that. Um, Dido introduced me to Chozen. Who? Dido, Chozen, and Joko were all my Azumi heirs, so there's my Azumi in the air. Uh, And I have an ongoing relationship with Chozen. She's helped me with music. One of the things she's done is to pay attention to professionals who practice. She's a pediatrician, but she doesn't, she still does this occasionally. She used to have one day a week job in court as an expert in child sexual abuse cases, which is horrible, right? so she took me with her one time and I watched her testify and then we went and we talked to all the detective and the prosecutor and all the people about how they dealt with work which involved uh, basically uh, sexually abused little girls Uh, and what kind of spiritual practice that took. Trezen's very thoughtful in some ways Um, she runs a residential monastery which I don't want to do but I may have to uh, because I think it is important for American Zen to deal with lay practitioners. And I think for people like me, it's very hard for me to take a year off in the middle of my career. But it's easy to do it when I retire. That's a Southeast Asian tradition, right? Uh, the, the, the businessmen go and they take monastic vows for a year or two at the end of their career. I think that would be an, an interesting and important thing to introduce to American Zen. Okay? So that's one of the things that, that I'm, I'm thinking about American Zen. Part of this, obviously, is how to get lay people to practice regularly with that residential setting. Part of it is what is residence. I won't say more about this, really. But chosen, actually, I I clued her in a little bit. She had a horrible land use problem. I said, you're not going to win because every little town has control over you, and some of them are scared of Buddhists. You have to be a good neighbor. And she is now. They have a float in the Fourth of July parade, and they teach in the schools, and they invite uh... the neighbors in to help them plant their orchard and stuff like that you can't it's it's a it's an american version of the relation between the village and the monastery and that's part of what has to happen in this country too uh... monasteries can't be self-sufficient they can have a hospitality industry but they need the neighbors they need the community so that is still working out that's not by business because i don't want to be residential i want to be late um, I have to thank cancer. Um, I was very sick. I had Hodgkin's disease. Um, The second time it came back, I had this complicated treatment that involved essentially uh, seven or eight weeks in the hospital replacing my immune system. Uh, Being so weak, I couldn't do anything except lie around. And then three or four months at home, isolated. I had to wear a mask when I went out. All kinds of foods I couldn't eat. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't go to public transportation. I couldn't go to the movies uh, because I had a very weak immune system. Myotai said, this is a six-month retreat that's not optional. And she was right. And without saying more, this is where I discovered that simply lying still and paying attention was a perfectly good practice. I didn't have to be solving koans. I could do shikantaza. And moreover, although I don't recommend it for beginners, shikantaza lying down. Just be still. Pay attention with all you've got. Maybe it's not a beginner practice. But for me, it was a real game-changer. And finally, Barry... I was looking for a teacher when I got well, and um, I shopped around New Jersey. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know the worst was, the one with the dead flowers on the altar, the one who had rented a yoga studio, but there was no Dakusan room. So he was using the corridor to the toilet, but there was no door on the bathroom. So you sort of sat and had interview and saw the toilet at the same time. <laughs> but this was not my style. Uh, and when I came, uh, one December to Barry, it was quite wonderful. erudite, charming, funny, short. Thank you. Um, um, An interview, kind. You listened. I said, "Well, I've got this big yoga practice. Believe it or not, I stood on my head once in the middle of the room, once, uh, and uh, uh, without help." <laughs> and uh, uh, Barry said, "Well, yoga is important. Come when you can." And then. What really sealed it was the koan study group, which was not only a wonderful interaction, but also a wonderful sangha, which I had been longing for. In particular, Catherine and Gerti both engaged in a really interesting way, scrappy, educated. Very quickly, because it was Christmas season, I went to the Christmas party to check it out, because the last thing I wanted was a group where everybody was sucking up to the teacher and where people were dropping Dharma words so they could get a better place in line. And it's, I've seen too much of that. And this was like real people. Um, Alki sang an incredible song. Claire was a wonderful... She'd been a hostess in the Zenda with a wonderful MC and singer at the Christmas party. Shariar and his wife were very welcoming. Um, um, I talked to David Greenwood. I talked to Jessica, the Barry Jessica, who said to me, I think you'd be good for Barry, he needs some joy, or something like that. Uh, and I thought, this is it. As a teacher I've been looking for for 15 years, had I found Barry instead of, you weren't around when I met me Tai I think it would have been a different life. So I'm very grateful for that. So actually, I'm at my 25 minutes, and I could either stop or we could sing together. And I don't know, um, Barry said you'd be fidgeting, but if I give you permission to move while we sing. Can I have the instruments? <laughs> I, I need the Mukugio Clara or Bear, I need the Mikugyo, the bell, and the um, um, Gong. Yeah, good. And I know we're gonna. Well, there's enough tape, but we have to get another sit in too. do with these. So, while you're stretching, one of my challenges has been music. Dido forbade me to do music as an art practice. I had training as a pianist and composer, and then found singing was actually quite wonderful, and none of that, at least in the Western tradition, was available. Chosen, on the other hand, teaches everybody to play marimba, so there you go. But... (laughs) Marimba is a great coordinator, and people think they can't play Frere Jacques. Anybody can play Frere Jacques on a marimba. It's it's quite an amazing thing to see. Um, But um, I don't know what the role of music is, and I wanted to say, going back to the sound, night sounds. That's perhaps music. I don't know whether what we heard last night was music or not. I it was sort of noise and sort of some call it music, Um, but. It's very powerful, and I've noticed, this is partly, I I will tell you my way of saying farewell to being Jiggy Doe, because I have come to fall in love with these guys. Uh, I've learned that they have their own voices, and they don't want you to hit them. They want you to allow them to speak. Now, I'm going to do two things at once. Once, I'm going to use these, but I'm also trying to find a way to meld what is the American song of Sazam? That's the question. Edo asked that. His answer, it was an appalling answer, was the impossible dream. Uh, he once, I, he, every time he came to Washington, he would make us sing it with him. <laughs> we had this tattered copy of the words. I saw him do this at the Smithsonian. He stands up in his full orgality. He's going, To dream, the impossible dream. It was horrible. <laughs> and it's the wrong words. And I, what I want to try out is um, if I had a hammer <laughs> I, I, I use the words justice and freedom and I also want to meld it with what I think is an essential Japanese chant the which is very much about this moment this moment on this moment on in the morning on in the evening eternal joyless self uh, eternal excuse me selfless joyful and pure uh Nen nen. This moment, this moment. Nothing other than kanzei I think the two actually will work together. You can sing along if you want, or listen and be appalled. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'll do the three verses of if "I Had a Hammer." In the middle of the third verse, we'll switch to Juku, Kanan Panango" and finish uh, uh, with the end of "If I Had a Hammer." Uh, and then maybe I'll have a few concluding remarks and run for my life. <laughs> if I had a hammer. I'd hammer in the morning, I'd hammer in the evening, all over this land. I'd hammer out justice, I'd hammer out freedom, I'd hammer out the song between my brothers and my sisters, all over this land. If I had a bell, I'd ring it in the morning, I'd ring it in the evening. All over this land, I'd ring out justice, I'd ring out freedom, I'd ring out the sound between my brothers and my sisters. All over this land, if I had a song, I'd sing it in the morning, I'd sing it in the evening. All over this land, I'd sing out freedom, I'd sing out justice, I'd sing out enmejuku kanongyo. Come on. Kanze on namu butsu yo butsu u inyo butsu u inbu boso and jo rakuka jo... 蟲人看见, 蟲人看见, 年年就心沉, 年年不沉, 看见, 蟲人, Nen 蟲人, 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 Chou-nen-kan-ze-yan Chou-nen-kan-ze-yan ju shin ki nen nen fu ri shin la mu butsu yo Putsu, Yo-butsu-hu-i Bupo-so-i ku kan ze yan nen nen fu ri shin this land. So that is I think the future of American and I better just stop there. Thank you. <laughs>